Hello, everyone, and welcome to Capital Musics, your CDF's podcast, where we focus on fresh ideas and new innovations that serve a mandate to make finance work for the poor in the world's least developed countries. I am Eduardo Tanchoni, your new host, and you can find our Capital Musics podcast on Apple, Spotify, or our dedicated website, podcast.uncdf.org. The theme of season three is the road to Doha, where we'll be exploring issues relevant to the LDCs ahead of the 50th conference on the least developed countries to be held in Doha, Qatar in January 2022. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Rose Twine, director of EcoGroup LTD. EcoGroup LTD is an household energy solution company in Uganda, manufacturing EcoStop which are basically clean and efficient cookstoves and fuels. EcoStove uses solar systems to bring in the utmost efficiency and effectiveness in cooking. Rose, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you too. Thank you for inviting me. So Rose, please tell us about your background, where you're from, what you studied, and what was your aspiration to working on sustainable development? background, a Ugandan girl child, maybe that's the most background that um, makes me who I am. Born and bred in Uganda, and I grew up in the rural part of Uganda, where as any other girl child looking for firewood was the show of the day that every young child, either you fetch water, you look for firewood. Part of my household, we were looking for firewood because of the time. We didn't have, in the rural, there's not much of the chapel stoves. There's only three stone stoves. And so that is the background where I grew up looking for fire to cook ordinary meals as the culture or the custom dictated. So I'm from a family of so many children and basically peri-urban and rural based. So this is the background about me. Education-wise, I'm a university graduate and I studied renewable energy engineering, but I've also done many other courses into environment, into engineering, into health and safety and, you know, nursing and midwifery. That is some core areas of my interest growing up over the years. So that is basically what I do. My mother, my wife, everything else above. So that is a bit about me. Very interesting. I want to go back a little bit on what you said regarding everybody searches for firewood. So what was your drive, Elizabeth, on to working on clean energy, to actually start working on it and build the business around it? Yes, I'm very old. (laughs) I'm 47 years old. Maybe I need to mention that. So in my generation, which is back in the day from where I come from, uh, charcoal wasn't every household luxury. It was only best in urban. Today, you can find a charcoal stove in Perry and in rural, depending on the family setting. So, but where I grew up, we grew up in a village where even today, when you talk of charcoal, they don't understand what charcoal means because for them, they use real firewood to be able to cook ordinary meals. So with that background, I grew up from school. You go and look for firewood because there is a meal to be made in that family for. So as children, my dad gave us responsibilities. So some kids were to fetch firewood. Some kids were to look for water after school as part of activity because we had the river just down the stream, just down like less than a kilometer. So that is what we did as children after school. 
everyone did that. So through that, I saw how every household practiced this as a routine, as a lifestyle. They didn't know any different, any better. They didn't know that probably there was an option, but I came from Kampala, the capital city. So that's where my dad had taken us in the times of war. Maybe I needed to give a little bit of the background that I came from the city, Kampala. The whole family came from there. So there was war in the 80s. So the families went into exile and our exile was the rural setting. So when we arrived there, we found that the culture, everybody had to do, were using firewood as their means of fuel or cooking. So we got accustomed to the culture and it was good for the children because it was playtime for the kids. That's when you get to meet other kids of your age and the like. So it wasn't really a bad thing to do and we didn't know any different. We didn't find it as a, a problem. But as I grew up, of course, you get to learn the negative effect, a negative impact because as a village, they don't have any other means of income. Their only income or their life, they depend on growing food and selling that food for paying school fees, for paying fuel, kerosene for their lamps, salt for their food. So basically, they depended on agriculture. Now, over the years, fast forward, I got to learn more that the more the firewood that was being cut because of cooking, and that's the only option they had, we were depleting the environment. Be known to us, we didn't know any different because that was the culture. So I traveled, left Uganda in my later age, went to study in England, and I managed to work with the local authority. And uh, my local authority was Haringe in the UK. And I had more access to the environment department. And that's where the passion to do more into renewable energy and environment protection, because that was what I found them doing. Then it gave me flashback on growing up, how we didn't have value for the trees because the tree to us, the value was how much food can I cook out of this tree because it's huge and it's, you put it down, it dries over time, then becomes firewood. So regardless of the other environmental impact, it didn't bother us. But eventually I got to know the decisions had changed over time because there was a lot of trees were being cut. But more importantly, soil erosion. We got to know reports when I wasn't in this country that a lot of people were getting a lot of mudslides and people were dying through mudslides because environmental depletion basically. So all these impacts and all these things that came to me and then I remembered I was one person that was at the center of this environmental degradation, but I didn't understand any different. So I put it upon myself. I wanted to understand more. I wanted to understand the value of trees. I invested my time and research, and but more important, I went to school to understand what is the alternative. If people didn't have to cut these trees because of what it does to our people, one, indoor air pollution, two, there is environmental degradation, which causes a lot of soil erosion. There is climate change issues and all that. So I got to learn this at a later stage. Then I wanted to know how can I change this with all this exposure, the knowledge, what I've been exposed to, how can I do this? So with that background is what drove me to be able to find a solution as an alternative to cooking, knowing the background of the challenges that had been before I was born. I practiced the same bad practices, but then again, there was no visual or viable option for somebody to navigate into to do better. So this is how the infrastructure was invented. Thanks so much, Rose, for breaking it down for us and uh, talking about the environmental dimensions that come into play when it comes to 
sustainable energy. Can you tell us a little bit more, in your opinion, if there is any other aspects uh, that come into play when it comes to access to energy, sustainable energy, renewable energy, especially in Uganda? Yes, the other challenge that growing up, we didn't notice as children, because like I said, it was the norm, the setting that we operated where the kitchens are. It's not in the past, it's still happening today. And that's what drives us every day as eco group to try and educate and sensitize the public about the social impact. I mean, from cooking air polluted environment. One, the kitchens are very tiny, but also you're using firewood or they're using firewood which are smoke-filled, they are not carbonized. I'd like to use my personal experience because it's what has made me who I am today to do what we are doing today and to try and educate people more on the things they actually know, but <laughs> it's until you bring it to them, then they realize, oh, this is why I get sick. So you find that a rural setting, which is the area we operate in most, that they depend purely on firewood, which the environment part have talked about it. But you'll find that the whole family, mother and the children mainly, are the ones that do the cooking. And so you find they are all around the, the stove, the three stone stove. Not only are they breathing in a lot of black smoke, but even you look at their kitchen, they're black. Totally, it's like the kitchen has been painted black paint. Now you can imagine every cooking, this member of the family is there because that's their job the mother and the children from the day they start to get into the culture of being in the kitchen or cooking. Traditionally, that is what the fireplace looked like. Like in the developed world, you may find that a campfire is where people gather around for leisure. But for us, this is why we gathered around because that's how we cook our meals. So you find that every member of the family is around that three stone cooking food, stew, and all that meal after meal, day after day. So the indoor air pollution and how that affects people's lungs and eyes and all these issues is what really also moved me to try and create a product that was smoke-free, that was not going to cause indoor air pollution because I knew growing up that you come out with all your eyes are teary, they are red, they are literally, and, and people are always in hospital. I've visited hospitals and I've tried to talk to doctors to give me the statistics of how many people come in with lung-related, uh, smoke-related diseases that cause both the eyes, the lungs. And when you hear the numbers, it's really very disheartening. But this is something that if people were not informed, they didn't know that this is actually the cause because all they focus on, I am cooking to eat a meal and I need to sit around my meal or because that's where there is only the light. Because either this person uses that light as a cook as part of the family get together, that's where they gather around the fire as they cook. So they don't even go for the kerosene lamp. So this is another reason that drove me socially, that the health negative impact on their health. So that is also another challenge. The other challenge was also the technology that growing up in the rural, there is no power. There was no access to electricity. Because Uganda has, I think we, we have enough dams currently, but back in the day, we didn't have as much dams. And so power was on and off, but in the city, but also in the rural setting, they didn't have enough access to electricity. It's only in the city, but not in the peri or even in the rural areas. And so you find that a lot of households, maybe 93% depend on kerosene and firewood as their mechanism of lighting their homes. And so you find the kids are reading around the kerosene lamps. 
they are, they're inhaling those kerosene fumes as much as the black smoke that comes off. So inventing EcoStove and putting a product that was a holistic energy solution was based on these three findings, the social issue, the environmental issue, the health issue, and the technology issue, where even electricity cannot be, even when those areas where electricity is accessed, but it's not affordable, people could not afford it. So you find a power line is passing a certain village, but they cannot tap on it because they can't afford it because their income level cannot enable them to be able to tap on that. So these are areas where we decided as we were innovating the product that it was going to have a holistic solution where you provide the light, you provide a cooking smoke-free solution, and you're providing even charging the phone. I'm talking about a solution that gives the whole energy solution that a household would need. And that is what we put into the EcoStore because viewing the above problems, we wanted to provide a one-stop shop, a one-stop product that was going to provide a household solution, a household energy solution to this rural person. Thanks so much, Rose. I think you really raised the multifaceted dimensions of clean energy and how EcoStop and other solutions can really bring about change, not only from an environmental perspective to avoid depletion of natural resources that are so important, especially in LDCs, but also the social the cultural dimensions, the health implications that are so vital. Maybe I can add on something else also on the social, is that like I mentioned earlier that as children, we looked at firewood searching as a play type, but there's a lot of man hours that are lost where we were looking for firewood and then today the same man hours being lost. So the time we were looking at, for example, you leave school about four, five, and you don't come home with firewood until seven. So look at three, four hours every day lost looking for firewood. And this is the culture of every rural person. They must look for firewood and they're only going to look for firewood for that meal. So that is an everyday thing. So you find that productive use of their time was lost. So with eco stove, with reliable, reusable rocks, the stones are readily available. So that time is saved and the person can use that time to do productive use of their time instead of looking for firewood. So we were trying also to save the man hours, which is lost by a girl, child, a youth, a mother looking for fire to cook an everyday meal. So that is socially also an issue that I needed to hit on that was very concerning. Thanks so much, Rose. You've touched upon affordability. So can you tell us a little bit more the link to capital, accessing capital, how vital it is for sustainable energy solutions? For us to be able to reach more households, we realize that one of the hindrances, as much as the households who are failing to access electricity to light their home, charge their phones and build using hydropower. So what we did we came up with, even with the invention of the eco stove, which is a stove that utilizes volcanic rocks and solar as a, a holistic solution to energy, energy household. So what we did, we invented house pairs you go system where we were able to reach people because we understood the kind of clients we were focusing on. Our clients or our main focus was on the energy poor households of Uganda at the time. Now, these are mainly rural. Now, you look at the income level was maybe a dollar, maybe three dollars 
some of them don't earn actually just sell their part of their food to buy their, their little kerosene soap. Those are the basics because they live on agriculture and that's all they need. So we needed to know how we can give them the product. We are not charity. If you are to sell them a product, can they afford it? If they can't afford it, how else can we do it? So we proposed to NCDF that we had a solution which was giving the rural households ability to pay for this product in installment. That was enabling these targeted household, energy poor households, to be able to obtain the product when it pay as you go system so that they can obtain the product. Now, the money they would have been using to buy kerosene, to charge their phones for medical bills, whatever it is that was an expense related to energy poor household causes. So we came up with this pay-as-you-go technology, which is the pay-as-you-go eco-stove. Now, that meant that the household would have a product paid over a period of six months to one year, depending on their ability to pay. Now, they do, and they shut it off by themselves. They are able to pay as little as they can afford to put on over a period of time. But of course, as a, a company with a vision, we do not have the finances. So for us to be able to achieve that, because it requires a lot of financial capital, recognizing the fact that you need to be able to give out this product at almost a 10% credit. They own your credit as little as 10% and the 90% they paid over a period of one year. What that meant is that we needed to have capital to be able to invest in material to produce this product, to import the stove, the stock from China, the raw materials for solar, for the stove product. And so we approached UNCDF and made so basically, we needed money to be able to invest in the capital. And at the time, we didn't have the financial muscle to be able to get, for example, the collateral, the bank wants, or the security for us to get the loans. Because in Uganda, you either have a property, you give in a security for them to give you a certain amount of money. And then you have to guarantee how often. But also, we had the challenge where we're dealing with rural households and uh, their income is not regular. So it's difficult to base on somebody whose income is not regular to be able to repay your loan. So that's how we proposed to UNCDF. We managed to get it on ground of 180,000 US dollars and this money enabled us to come up with the product that we needed to be able to reach the energy poor households. And being a grant, it acted as a shock absorber for us to be able to come up with a super product that was reaching more people at the time. Now, on top of that, what we did, we also went further and created groups because you can only stretch the ground so far, yet more people were interested in the product because one here as a neighbor has, and that person also wants a solution. So we decided to work through groups. Now in Uganda, we have groups of people who save money on a weekly and a monthly basis for their personal development or family development or school fees for children. And so that's their way of saving. So we decided to work through these groups and these groups, what they do is either they will pay for one person, they are saving for that week and we service store for one person. But because we wanted the impact to be more unfelt, so we decided that weekly or monthly saving can be collected and once a month, they remit the money to us, but they're already using the product. So what happens is a group of about 15 members, these are mainly women. Now, while we target women, we're not sexist, but we try to go to the users because we understood that the women feel and understand the need for a clean energy solution. 
So we find that we, are, we work more with women. We do work with men also, but mostly with women. So these groups are mainly formed by women. And so we sell through them, through their membership. And through their membership, we also get their leaders to be able to vet their members according to their ability to make a monthly commitment. But also their members come up and we train them to become our salespeople. So this is how we've been working with these groups. But through UNCDF support of grant, we have won this grant twice. And this grant was for different products that we were developing for the energy poor households of Uganda. And then later on, we managed to also apply and get a loan because we had grown, we built a factory, we did a lot more with the incomes we were generating and bought machinery. So that enabled us to be able to secure a direct loan. And these loans helped us to even grow further. So this is how the finances have helped us both to enable the client success more of our products, but also to help the company grow as it supported us. So UNCDF has been very instrumental to get us where we are today, I must say. And we love to hear these stories, Rose. I think you really portrayed an image of what we call at UNCDF the investment continuum. So okay. how it's important to have first some technical assistance that would lead to different opportunities also for you and your businesses to access different forms of capital, like accessing sure. loans, as you were describing. So as you know, Rose, we're approaching the 50th conference for the least developed countries that is going to be held in Doha, Qatar in January, 2022. So what is your vision as to what kind of priorities there may be that all of us that work in least developed countries like Uganda should be focusing on in the next decade? I think having been a beneficiary to the support that we have received from UNCDF and its partners, I would say that we have a part to play as much as the support is coming in. But I also think that the saying goes in Africa where they say, instead of giving me a fish, give me a rod so that I'm able to fish myself. What you've been doing is exactly that. We need to focus our energies and resources to be able to make Africa and Uganda, all the partners they are working with more sustainable, but having in-house or in-country kind of production facilities that are going to enable players like us, I'm trying to support who needs the clean energy. So these will be some areas that are bottlenecks that we still feel and can be dealt with maybe by UNCDF and the partners, among others, I should say. Thanks so much, Rose. Indeed, for you touched upon two elements that are very important to driving transformation, which are, of course, your community mobilization, as well as local production, and lastly, supporting the creation of an environment that enables these kind of businesses, these sustainable practices to thrive in those areas. So we're coming to a close. Do you have any messages that you'd like to share with other women leaders like yourselves? that want to open a business in an LDC or work in an LDC? Of course, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Echo Group currently in 2021, December, we employ literally 70% are women. And I'm very happy to say that not because of anything, but because I just find that culturally, we find that we understand the space probably more. Even we don't have the financial muscles, but whatever we do as women, we do it with passion. We do it because we want a difference or to make a change, not necessarily the profit. So I find that if we can get more women players in this space, because 
we are the first hand practitioners of anything in the kitchen, anything in the running a home directly hands on every woman in Uganda is the first point of contact. I call myself as my kitchen is my office, mainly it's my first office before I come to Echo Group. So for that reason, I think if we can get more women to participate, I would encourage my fellow women that we can lead by example, because as we can provide a solution to the problems we ourselves are experiencing when a daily life. For example, a woman who's in the kitchen, if I did not come out to use the experience I had as a woman in the village, fetching firewood, cooking in a smoke-filled kitchen, I would not have felt the need to be able to come up with a cleaner solution and to reach more women like myself and my grandmother and my mother. So I think women need to be engaged in this because they would not only benefit them, women challenges, representation, but also women, they are the man of this country. So I think if we do more, we do it with a passion. Thanks so much for joining us today, Rose. And thank you to the audience for joining us on UNCDF podcast, Capital Music. Once again, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, and our dedicated website, podcast.uncdf.org. If you found this episode useful, please spread the word on Twitter with an hashtag, Capital Music, or leave us a review. Review help new listeners discover podcasts. So if you enjoyed listening, please do leave us a review and comment. Until next time.